Welcome back to another episode of In the Tank, season two. We're here. We're live on Twitch.tv. Uh, but you could be listening to this on podcasting platforms all around the world right now. And if you are, we miss you. You can come hang out with us every Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific time, twitch.tv slash Jaws official. Now that I got that out of the way, we might as well pop over to our guest, one of my favorite people on the entire planet in the whole wide world. He goes by the name of Holy Goof, otherwise known as Aaron. Not allowed to divulge too much about his secretive life, but I can tell you his name is Aaron because I'll be yelling his name, Aaron, a lot during this episode. Uh, we've known each other for quite a bit now. Shared a tour bus together. And, uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say. We might as well just get into it, right? Um, I guess I guess I should preface, if you don't know who Holy Goof is, he is um, one of the UK's brightest shining acts in terms of the uh, UK base scene. Ba I guess Americans would call it base house. They would call it UK... I don't know. Whatever. Why don't we just ask him? Let's just pop. Let's just pop over. I'm going to stop talking now. Aaron. Hello, love. Yo, yo, yo. Everyone say hello. So what do you, I guess we're just going to get started really quick. What would you call your style of music because I was going to say UK bass, but that sounds kind of lame. It's not UK garage baseline baseline. That's what I was looking for baseline. But at this point, it's, is, not, it's not even. Yeah. That, that is what it was name. It was given, uh, but baseline was sort of like 2007 in the UK. And, uh, it sort of developed and changed and lots of different influences. So, um, that is what I've been predominantly doing for the last, well, since 2014. Um, but this time has given me a lot of chance to make a lot of different stuff and experiment. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. What just happened like, to your you light? Know, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? It's the, <laughs> it's the, uh, you're obviously not a pro streamer like your boy over here. Obviously not. Obviously not. <laughs> well, it's okay. But yeah. Because there might be people watching live right now, but also in the tank, which by the way, this is your first time on the show. Welcome. Um, you've probably watched, I feel like you've watched a couple episodes, but, um, I'm as, as you know, most people are aware in the tank is also available on podcast platforms all around the world. So, most of the people listening to this won't even get to see your stupid face. They'll just hear your stupid voice <laughs> and my stupid voice. Um, yeah. But if you are watching live right now on the stream, you have the ability to ask Holy Goof Aaron questions throughout the stream, throughout the podcast. So start, start, start those brains. Get them, get those wheels turning, you know? Thank you, Buble. He does have a pretty face. I just like to give him a hard time. I have to take him down a peg. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, okay, so, so 
I always do this at the beginning of every episode, whether regardless of how well I know the person, because yeah. again, like we just said, you know, if someone randomly finds this podcast, which is something I hope that happens and they're like, who, who the hell are these guys? You know, maybe they don't even know who I am. Um, they might not know who you are. So like, what's your like elevator pitch for Holy Goof? What I don't even know what an elevator pitch is, but <laughs> basically, <laughs> the second it came out of my mouth, the second that I said it, I was like, I bet that Aaron doesn't know the term elevator pitch. It's probably an American thing, to be fair. It's not just because you're a dumb dumb. It's it's probably it's probably not something they say in the UK. Uh, but basically, so here, like your, your history, what you've done, or an elevator pitch is like. Let's say you walk into an elevator and there's some guy from like, I don't know, Polydor Records in the UK or like Sony UK or something. And yeah. he's like, you know, you only have the time from the when the elevator takes off to when it lands at your floor to explain who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the shortest, most concise, like let's gives them everything they need to know in the least amount of time. Okay. I'm a producer and DJ from the UK, predominantly making 130 BPM bass orientated music. I'm now expanding into other stuff. I drink lots of Southern. Oh comfort. My <laughs> <laughs> no you way like you have. <laughs> oh my God. Would, would, would you like some? Um, I've been touring, um, the UK since 2014 and then sort of around the world since 2017, mostly 18. I've done a couple of tours, a uh, couple of tours with Jaws. They were terrible. Horrible. <laughs> um, and I'm looking forward to playing again and getting back to normal after the pandemic. And I still have Southern Comfort if you would like some. <laughs> do they even sell Southern Comfort in the UK? Or do you import it from America? Yeah, they they, they definitely sell it here. Maybe it's just me that buys it. but I'm pretty sure you are the sole customer of Southern <laughs> Comfort in the UK. You need to work on a partnership with them. You need to, you need to do... You need to like... You need to be the face of Southern Comfort UK. Do like a full tour. You go to like all the universities. You just bring bottles of Southern Comfort. And everyone will be like, what the fuck is this piss water? <laughs> Basically, I think it would only be me that's drinking it. So I don't think it'd be too good for my health. Oh, Maybe man. That's not such a good idea. Well, I don't <laughs> think it's stopping you. Considering you have the bottle right there. <laughs> no i didn't have any lemonade though so i just had to so someone in the chat right now um what's his name houstoner 93 sick name said you need some texas barbecue with that southern comfort we actually Houston's. had some really good barbecue in houston houstoner let me know if you know about this one what what do you know about Pinkertons. That, just so you know, Aaron, because you're from the UK, so, you know, any barbecue to you 
Although it is getting pretty big in the UK. I will say the last couple times I was there, there was like a lot of like American barbecue fucking like shortage restaurants, which I was super shocked at. But to this day, Pinkerton's in Houston, still the best barbecue I've ever had in my entire life. Hands down. Shout out to the base chef. Maybe you'll hear this one day. What? Oh, God. Like, what was that your first experience with like barbecue or just like real American barbecue? Real American barbecue, definitely. Yeah. Like, there's no coming down from that, though, is there? Like, that's like straight in top level. Yeah. No, you really got spoiled on that tour. Let me, let me give you guys, actually, you know what? Let's, let's, let's rewind here a second. Let's talk about how Aaron and I met because we've known each other for now, like a bit. Been like four, four years. Four years. That's uh that's that's a decent amount of time. Um so basically what happened is I th I can't remember if I hit you up for music or you just hit me up and sent me music or something. But it was just like right place, right time. I just started writing all of like, you know, like Superfly and uh, gassed up with DJ Snake and like all of these like much faster, you know, quote unquote Jaws records that were, you know, and I was getting really influenced by everything that was going on in the UK. And I had heard about this guy, Holy Goof, because I was, you know, doing my research because I was like, yo, like, why don't we do shit like this in America? And then I can't remember what happened, but I, I remember getting like an email or a DM from you. You're just like, yo, here's some tunes. And I was like, sick, here's some tunes. And we started talking and then it ended up with Aaron just being like, yeah, I'm going to come stay on your couch in your Airbnb in London for like four days. <laughs> Never had met yeah. the guy, just talked to him a couple times over DMs. And he literally stayed with us for four days and like immediately me, Goof, and my touring crew all became like BFFs. And there's one thing that I both a can't ever forget about that first time we all hung out but also you will never let me live it down <laughs> i'll let you tell the story because i'll probably make it sound better than it was <laughs> so we yeah i stayed in the, the the airbnb and we went we decided to go out shopping i came with you the airbnb. shopping what a what a surprise <laughs> I stayed in the Airbnb because we started to write uh, back again. Back and again. Then, yeah, we decided to go out shopping. And, uh, you know, I've not known you very long at all. And uh, we're crossing the road in Shoreditch. And uh, I just feel this, like, brush on my leg. <laughs> and I turned. I'm like, what the fuck's that? So I turned around, looked down. And Sam had tripped up the curb and fell. <laughs> literally, like, literally, <laughs> literally, guys. Like, think of, like, your normal curb, you know, like a good half-foot curb, and then, like, cut that in half. It was, like, not even taller than my shoe. And I don't know what happened, but, and this shit happens to me all the time in my life. All the time. I'm just fucking notorious for having stupid shit like this happen. But I literally was just walking 
And I think that actually what what it was is that we had gone and got food. Because I definitely remember as I was falling, I was like, fuck all this food. <laughs> but it was like one of those things where like you kind of trip and like, you know, like you stub your toe or whatever and you like stumble a little bit and you think you're going to catch yourself. So it was one of those, but then I just kept going and I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to catch myself. And I like, I kind of slammed onto the concrete, almost took Aaron down with me and like had some like actual like cuts and scrapes on me. <laughs> it was one of these. I'm pretty sure we just, you'd just given me a ginger shot that I didn't enjoy <laughs> at that place at the hole in the wall. Maybe. I do remember that because that's also another moment I won't forget. But I, I feel like this was at night. I feel like it was at night we had gotten food and we were on the way back to the place. But I could be wrong. I don't think it, I don't remember it as night because we were going, we pretty much went to shoot him every day. Oh. So we wouldn't have been carrying. Can that we not even. I have I have some things about the shoom later. I can't even talk about it right now, because I'm gonna get too hungry. It really pisses me off how many times you've gotten to have it since you've been <laughs> fucking at home. It makes me so upset. Just so you know, if you're ever in the UK, there's a restaurant called the shoom. It's my favorite restaurant on the entire planet. I introduced Aaron to it, and then he introduced the whole UK music scene to it. And now everyone goes to the shoom and they're like, oh, yeah, I know, I know this place. It's really <laughs> posh. Ah, the shoom. Fuck you guys. There were a couple real ones who knew about the shoom before me because that's how I found out. But who told you? So you did. You did tell me who told you about it. About yeah. Them. So it was it was Borgor's old tour manager his name is justin um he's the homie and he was in london the first time i was there and you know when i first started touring i was like i was i was pretty like uh i want to say scared but just like you know nervous like i'm sure you've felt it like when you go to asia or the first times you came to america or whatever like you don't really want to venture too far off from the hotel. Like, you know, things just like whatever. Yeah, Justin with the really mustache. Know where to, you don't really know where to go unless you're with people that yeah. have been or somebody from the event is kind of helping you or whatever. Yeah. But so what happened is, is that we were staying in Kensington and um, Asaf, Borgor, and Justin were staying in Shortage at the Ace. And Justin was like, yo, come meet us at the Ace. I'm going to take you to this place. It's like the best food ever. And I was like, oh, man, that's so far away. It's like 45 minutes. I don't want to take the tube. I don't want to take a taxi. Blah, 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 blah. And I just never ended up going. And Justin was like, you know what? I don't even fucking care if you don't hang out with me. Like, whatever. But the next time you're in London, you have to go to Shoreditch and you have to go to this restaurant. Like, you have to. You absolutely have to. So then fast forward like two years and I'm staying at the Ace and Shortage and like I get there and I'm like, oh shit, that restaurant Justin told me about is right around here. Little did I know it was literally next door to Ace. Like it could not be closer. 
And so we like just went and I was like, oh, we'll see how it is. And I went there four times in four days after that because it was that fucking good. And now every time I'm in London, I go to Dishoom at least once a day. And if I don't, I'm like seriously angrily upset at someone. It, oh. If I can't go to Dishoom at least once a day when I'm in London, it's like a problem. I sound like a crackhead. I sound like someone who's struggling with addiction. Because they do breakfast as well, which is just as incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I said at least one time a day. I mean, the last time that me and Steve-O and Nick were there, we went two to three times a day for four days. I Our, think I was there for two two days. Yeah. I think. Um. Okay, so now people know who you are. They know how we met. They know about our unhealthy obsession with an Indian restaurant in London. Which you should all go to if you go to London. 100%. I've also got one in Birmingham, Manchester, and I think Edinburgh in Scotland. Yeah, and there's also like five of them in London. Yeah. Four, maybe. I don't know. The fact that we know this there's, much is yeah. really sad. It's really sad. It's yeah, really fucking the, sad. The Shoreditch, Carnaby Street, King's Cross... And I'm not sure what these are, where the other ones are. Shortage, Carnaby, King's Cross, and uh, Covent Garden is Carnaby, right? Maybe. That's the one that we went to, like the last place that we stayed was in Carnaby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can't remember. Who cares? Really doesn't matter. Um, yeah. We've definitely spoke quite a lot about this restaurant. Ah, <laughs> I like... could do a whole podcast on... Yo, I'm going to do a podcast with the guy that started Dishoom. Oh, my God. That, that would, would be incredible. That would be my dream come true. If anyone who knows anyone at Dishoom is listening to this, let me know. I'm pretty sure the owner, like, tweets quite regularly. Like, it's actually him. Yeah. It seems like it. I follow them. I also have the cookbook. All right, we need to stop. We need to stop. <laughs> um, okay. So, speaking of the fact that I'm mad at you for being able to eat at Dishoom this whole time, I think it would be cool for people who are listening to this who aren't from the UK to kind of understand what the last year and a half has been through your lens because they're pretty aware of what it's been like in the States. Um, yeah. especially through the lens of, you know, artists like me who have migrated to doing stuff like this. Um, but it feels like the UK and the States were pretty in line with each other in how COVID went. Like at first it was like, Oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Oh fuck. This is kind of a big deal. Oh fuck. We're really screwed. And then that's lasted until about now. And now it kind of looks like we're at, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But, like, what was the last, you know, however long, like, for you? Yeah, I mean, um, pretty si similar to what you said, really. We kind of went, it was, you know, it was like, oh, you, you just think stupidly and naively in this day and age. I like, know exactly what you're about to say, and it's your guys' fault, just so you know. <laughs> you guys, the UK, Britain put this mentality in both all of you guys and all of America where we think we're the best 
and everyone else sucks and you're like oh italy's dealing with it so shitty because italy is shitty and we're the best and that could never happen to us i just think that i thought that something like this just wouldn't we're just in this day and age we're too advanced you know like treatments um all those things and it just yeah it just all of a sudden it was just like bang gone everything was shut down completely shut down the whole country nothing was open anywhere like you know there wasn't any cities open or anything like that like everywhere was completely shut um you was allowed out your house for half an hour a day to exercise um the only thing that was open was okay but how do they track shit like that like how are you like what is there like a constable on a horse following people around he's like hey gary i saw you run (laughs) around get get back in your house you've done too many laps no obviously obviously you know it wasn't as military as that but it was sort of you couldn't go anywhere like you couldn't go anywhere to do anything you could like you could go to the supermarket and that was literally it like yeah it was else. it was like that here for like maybe two weeks and then everyone was yeah. just kind of like fuck this and then we I ended up with... lasted from march till um and by end of may start of june Okay, that's that's probably pretty similar to us, yeah. Because like once summer started and people were like, "Yo, we want to be outside," but I guess we all know what that's like. So like for me personally, I had just done forty nine days on a or forty nine shows, sixty days on a tour bus. So when I got back and everything was shut down, I was like, "Okay, I can just sit in my boxers for like a month." And just like play video games and chill. Like I'm not that mad about it. But like were you on tour? Were you about to go on tour? Because normally January to March is kind of like dead season for us. So I know a lot of people that were just like chilling at home. And then right before everything was about to happen for them. Everything just. Uh, End of January and February is really busy like tour like event wise in the uk oh really uh, yeah um so and i'd just come back from um australia and new zealand and then i did the print work show in london oh that's right um and then yeah i played like a bunch probably like 10 shows in in February in the UK. So you did kind of the same thing as me where like the beginning of the year was like arguably your biggest shows you've ever done. Like the most important shows you've ever done. And then the second that's over nothing. So like, (laughs) were you, were you like ready to step off the road for a second? Like, were you like pissed and like, we just did all these amazing things. We have all this momentum and now it's all gone or cause I I feel like it's been, yeah as you know you know like doing the big shows and stuff you build them into festivals and whatever and we were due to do like the globe stage at a festival and all those things but I I wasn't ready to step off the road but in my head but when it actually happened and you know I was off for like four weeks I was like I feel quite good actually and and um 
I was just I, I went straight in the, I was straight in the studio like mm-hmm. literally straight in the studio and I was like right you know this is going to take a month or so whatever you know let me get some let me get in the studio spend some time some quality time in there and that you know that quality time was turned in from a month to you know 15 16 months now um, which is pretty much what I've just studio call of duty i'm still terrible but i enjoy it um i had to uninstall it from my computer <laughs> not because i was playing funny. it too much but just <laughs> i i got so frustrated with the game like every time i would open it like it wouldn't work on stream for me it caused a bunch of problems every time i played with my friends it was like cool i'm playing with my friends but like i also like kind of like hate this game it was just so frustrating. And the second I deleted it from my computer, it was just like, I don't miss this at all. Now, all that being said, there we're probably in the middle of right now. I don't even know if it is over or not. They did like that huge whatever for season three of Warzone. I don't even know what changed. I don't know what got added, but I'll probably have to download it because now everyone's going to be excited about Warzone again. And then all my friends are going to be like, yo, let's play Warzone, dude. But this the, the the main like I used to play the main map all the time because that's all there was, and uh, then they introduced this new mode called Rebirth Resurgence, that is basically if one of your teammates is alive, you wait an amount of seconds. Like it starts off at like, I don't know ten, and then if you die again, it's like twenty, and you come back. So they basically got point... rid of the gulag. In in this mode, yeah. Uh, and then there comes a, like this the the you know the, the map becomes smaller and smaller as it does on, on the main one and then um there's a cutoff point where it's like you don't come back if you die you don't go to be like you just don't come back um so and but, i find and that but, mode a lot a lot more fun it's a small much smaller map i was gonna say this sounds it's, like it's the mode that they made for people like me who are like, I'm not investing all this time into a game just to die and then die again in the gulag and then just watch my friends slowly get picked off. Yeah, it's, for me, it's like a perfect balance between... Because, you know, multiplayer, it's, it don't matter, does it? Nothing matters. Like, um, And then Warzone, you know, when you win a Warzone, you, it's, it's good. This is a kind of like in the middle of that. So that's all I've been playing, really. Huh lately okay so so that's what i want to talk about so you know people watching or listening might not really know what it's like in the uk in terms of the electronic music scene it's something that i'm relatively familiar with um just because i love it so much and i love playing in the uk i love uk music it's basically why i make music um one thing about the UK music scene that's very, very different to America and basically the rest of the world um, is that in the UK, I feel like it's still, maybe it's just now changing, but it's basically like if you are this kind of artist, you are that kind of artist. And like, there's there's not much of a blend. It's like, you know, you look at someone like Scream who like made dubstep and then transitioned to only making house and disco and that kind of stuff. And now he's kind of coming back to dubstep just now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you look at someone that, you know, there are artists in the UK that make drum and bass and then they have to make entirely separate projects to make house music. Right. Whereas in America, it's kind of like, you know, you're one artist. And, and this is something that was really important to me at the beginning of Jaws because it was kind of like the UK when I started making music, where it was like, if you made dubstep, you made dubstep. If you made house music, you made house music. And I was like, fuck that. I want to do all of it. And, you know, it, that, that to me, like that was always one of the things I could bring to the UK. Cause like there weren't a lot of DJs that were able to play, you know, house music, baseline, dubstep, especially dubstep in the UK and drum and bass all in the same set. <clears throat> but, you know, for someone like you to finally be branching out and making other stuff, cause you've always kind of DJed a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I started. Like, I mean, I've always in my sets have always consisted of mostly bass, bass lining stuff. Um, and then if you know, the odd dubstep track, usually 10, 15, 20 minutes of drum and bass at, you know, at the end of the set, like I've been doing that for four or five years. So I think that just, I'm quite a slow producer. So, and then being out on the road so much, mm-hmm. when I got in the studio, I was like, I need to just make the music that people um, want to hear from you. Yeah. To a degree. Cause I love it anyway. And I want to, and I want to, I want to, I'm just putting it. it bluntly. I know that that's yeah. not how we're supposed to think as musicians, but then reality comes into play and you are on the road. I've dealt with it. We've all dealt with it. You know, like you come back from touring and you're about to go on tour again. And you're like, shit, I have, yeah. I have one shot to make a song or two that, is like I have to put it out and people have to love it, you know. Yeah, there's definitely there's there's definitely definitely an element of that, um, but I don't think I was long enough into the Holy Goose project for me to be like I don't want to you know I, or I don't want to make this or I want to make something different. Like I was right. just in that mode, um, and yeah, this time has given me just chant just time to just sit in the studio day in day out try different things do different things just enjoy myself really and um make you know try and make some different stuff not necessarily even to put out but just just do what i want to do in the studio really and not feel like i need this amount of songs to go and dj with or whatever yeah i naturally just make club music anyway that is kind of what I'm about so that just it's because we're not actually good musicians. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> you want to go down that path? No. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm sorry, which one of us has four guitars behind them? <laughs> They're just for show. Don't tell them that. <laughs> Everyone just saw me playing guitar on a music video, so it has to be real. There's no way I could have faked that, okay? There's no Absolutely. way. There's Absolutely. no there's no chance. Absolutely. I'm basically slash. I'm, I always said it. Yeah, that I'm slash. <laughs> Fuck. Um okay. So yeah, you're experimenting, you're making a bunch of cool new music. You might not put it out, but like you're gonna put it out, right? 
definitely some of the drum and bass will be coming out 100 percent. yeah so and and then that's the thing is like for me it's like yeah when you're branching out in the uk it's like oh like i play bass line but i also play drum and bass you know what i mean oh yeah yeah going, yeah, yeah yeah going back to yeah i mean i don't know what it was like in the u.s before but in the uk we would have clubs where it wouldn't even have a headliner but it would play like a certain genre of music in that club on that night right and people would go to just hear that style of music um that's kind of gone now and it's like literally people will just go out for headliners um and yeah there was there's definitely a point where um you know if you made this you weren't you know you maybe like some some enthusiasts would frown upon making something else but I've, I've never really experienced that myself personally from playing it or um but i think that's the i think that's the difference is that you know there's a difference between the sets you play and then the music you make like a fan of yours could come to your show and hear you play some drum and bass and be like oh that was really cool that he played that but then you like put out a drum and bass song and they're like what the fuck is this this isn't holy goo for you fucking and then and then you sit there and again i'm speaking from experience here because it's happened to me where people have been like oh it was so tight he played some shit like this in his set and then i put out some shit like that and they were like this doesn't sound like jaws and i'm like what do you mean i play this stuff in my sets all the time i'm just trying to supplement that library of stuff with my own stuff because i obviously love it i obviously play it in my live show why wouldn't I? And so there's been a disconnect with that, especially in the UK, I feel like. Um, but so I, I guess the question is like, do you see that changing now? Or like, do you hope to be one of the people to change that? Because I feel like you do have that potential. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you of all of the UK producers in your world that I know have that kind of, more broad um uh fan base where you could do something like that and it's not going to be a bunch of baseline snobs like screaming down your yeah, throat yeah i think yeah i think people are definitely um, more open to you know doing different stuff um like i say i haven't experienced it myself yet too much um well don't worry it's coming uh, <laughs> um I mean, Sub Focus and Wilkinson put out like a real cool house record that was cool. Um, you know what? That you brought up Sub Focus, I actually should amend what I said because Nick has always put out mainly drum and bass, but he's also done, you know, halftime drum and bass. He's made dubstep records. He's made house records. He's been one of the few to really branch out. And same with Chase and Status. But other than them, there's not really much, right? I don't. Th I don't think the. Uh, yeah, I think in answer to your question, I don't think that the modern uh, raver event goer or whatever you want to call them um, are like. You know, I think they're open, open to what people want to do. I, f I definitely feel that at the moment. Yeah, I, 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 and, and I, when I, when I started, when I started, you know, the Holy Goof project in 2014, 
a lot of my support for supporters said to me, oh, I've always been into drum and bass, but you've converted me to this and, and stuff. So the tie with me and drum and bass has always been quite close anyway, because that sort of relationship happened from the start for me. And I feel like especially now that people have been stuck at home, like the the you're going to be able to kind of play whatever you want at shows and people are going to be like, whoa, it's almost like a clean slate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's something I'm super excited for, but I'm also kind of nervous about because I'm like, shit, like I have all this new music and I think it's sick but I've never road tested it. So if like, what if I play all this stuff that I think is great and it doesn't translate in a club or a festival, or if I play too much of my old shit, are people going to be sick of that now? Like now that there's been a year of no touring, like, but you're a good person to ask because you got to play some of the only festivals in the entire world in 2020 in New Zealand and Australia. Yes. And I know you will always play the same 45 songs in every set. <laughs> so you're a great person to ask. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, man. But so, but I'm sure you literally lived through that, right? Like, first mm-hmm. off, let's talk about quarantine. Was it yeah. worth sitting in a hotel room for two weeks to then play those? Yeah. 110%. I would imagine so. That without doubt i mean everybody has a different experience and feels differently me personally i had to do it at a pretty rough time i was in quarantine on my own on christmas day and new year's eve also but and it was still worth it yeah other than those two days just two small days yeah Yeah, christmas Christmas, not that big of a deal yeah christmas day was the one that hurt the most but other than that i mean i was sat in a room they brought me food three times a day uh, I took my PlayStation, so I had I had Warzone. Wait, 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 wait. Pause. Did you make them get you McDonald's? Yeah, three times a day. <laughs> Not three times a day, but definitely had one most days. Oh my god, <laughs> this man! But yeah, they 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 bring you food like um, three times a day. Had my PlayStation, so I was playing Warzone. Um, I had my laptop, so I was working on the set, working on music. And if you want, you could ring up and order beers. So it was kind of chill. I, I, I do remember FaceTiming you at one point. Or I should say you FaceTimed me because you were obviously bored as shit. <laughs> and there were like 17 empty beers just lying in your hotel room. And I was like, damn, it is dark over there. But the trade-off is, honestly, like, for me, like, I would miss Joanne and, like, my dogs and stuff. But, like, being locked in a hotel room for two months, like, if I have a gaming computer and the ability to make music, like, I'm straight. Like, I'm fine. Literally, yeah. It really would not be that that hard for me. But I'm also, you know, most people aren't as strong as me. <laughs> and by strong, I mean yeah. hermits. Um. So like, okay, so you had two weeks basically to sit there alone with your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I imagine at least some of those thoughts had to be like, oh man, I can't play this track. It's too old. 
or oh man are they gonna like this one still or are they gonna like this one at all because i've never played it like kind of just like walk walk me through it yeah i mean like say because you know mo a lot of us have some of us have been in the studio made lots of new music some haven't some have uh, been too busy know, playing warzone <laughs> you know i have more tracks than i've ever had um so like four so like basically three and a half <laughs> one's a whip <laughs> fucking this guy <clears throat> yeah so deciding which of the new ones to play to fit in the, you know the hour set that you've got at the festival which of the old ones to play that people still want to hear and fitting in other people's music that you want to you know play and um, and whatever is is with no you know it's not like you're playing two three times a week every week and you can just keep rotating and trying different things out and doing different stuff you know you kind of got a few festivals and you're like right i need to just play so yeah you definitely have yeah because that's a lot of pressure you're literally like this is like my one show in this place maybe all year or for who knows how long yeah like normally you have like okay like yeah, I'll try out these couple songs at this show, this show, this show. And then like once we get to Festival XYZ, I'll have it like dialed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- yeah. And then testing like the new music out. I mean, most of the stuff that um, I'm predominantly known for, the stuff that I made like that, it was, it, I was happy with that, went down great. I came back and I was like, don't really need to change any of that. But some of the experimental stuff that I'd made, it was different. I was like, okay, this needs tweaking, that needs tweaking. Mm-hmm. And came home and I literally came home and just went straight back in the studio and fixed up all those records that I wasn't kind of happy with or just needed, you know. I was like, this bit isn't isn't working for me, doesn't feel right. So I came back and adjusted all those really. Um, but I didn't really feel... It was weird, like, when I got on stage, it it didn't feel like I'd been away. Yeah. I feel like everyone has these, like, visions of, like, they're going to get back on stage and see the crowd again, and they're going to break down in tears and blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're just going to get back on stage and adrenaline's going to take over, and you're going to go straight back into the same, like, you know, where you were pre-COVID. Because, like, I, I, I think about that. I'm like... Am I going to like the first time I see a crowd? Am I going to like, is it going to be this emotional, like a, like a, like a soap opera fucking like. It's definitely emotional. It's definitely emotional. Like, did you cry? Very glad. No, I didn't cry, but I was very, very glad to be back. Yeah. Very appreciative to be back. I can imagine. So then like getting, getting a taste of that. And then going straight back to like more of just the same, like more of, you know, lockdown, not being able to do anything, not knowing when your next show is like, did it kind of give you like hope or did it make things worse? Uh, I'm definitely somebody who is positive and holds on. I would rather hold on to hope and think something's going to happen until it doesn't and be happy for that period of time rather than be thinking for, you know, say, for example, like the UK is due to open up on June 21st. Yeah. I would rather be like in my head, as far as I'm concerned, in my head, 
June 21st, we're back, no restrictions, COVID pandemic's over here um, and we're back to playing and that's it. And then if it gets to June 20th and they say, no, it's not happening, well, at least I was happy and in a good mindset for those two, three months leading up to that, rather than thinking, is it going to happen? Is it not? And, you know, keeping myself in a constant state of unsure and and whatever. And it helps me to focus because it gives me something to work to. You know, I'm in the studio thinking June 21st, I'm going to be back. I need to do it. So I've only recently started feeling that um because not too long ago california announced that june 15th we're going to be completely open again mm-hmm. cross crossing our fingers but i that was when i was like okay june 15th here we go and then it's like you know even when the first couple shows started getting announced it was still far enough off that i was like eh, i don't know and then things like you know edc saying it's going to happen in may and then it had to get moved to october like I haven't been able to feel that sort of like, okay, this is really happening until it felt like it was like, you know, like June 15th, like, I feel like we're going to be okay. You know, uh, hard UK happening in, it's in June. Is it in July? August. I think. August. August. You're right. I think so. so that happened in, in August. I was like, yep, that seems totally likely. Um, hard, hard summer happening at the end of July. I was like, yep, that totally makes sense. And once those dates started getting locked in and I was like, I could kind of really see it. Now I'm just like finishing songs left and right. Like, okay, like I have to get all this shit. Like, cause before then it was like, what was I, I was writing all these club bangers for what? I'm not going to put them out while everyone's stuck at home. I'm not going to finish them because I don't need to get them ready for a show. So I would just like start these ideas and then I would stop them and then I would go make something else. So I have all of these records and now just that mindset that you're talking about has been enough to like push me over that edge of like, all right, like there's, this isn't like fun and games anymore. Like it's, it's fucking go time. Um, mm-hmm. And that's felt really good. So you know, props yeah, to you for, for having that mindset for a lot longer than I have. <laughs> Everybody's different and everybody deals with everything differently and, and is affected by everything differently. But for me, that's my coping mechanism is to just sort of not ignore what's happening, but just kind of just hope for the best. And that that's my way of dealing with it, basically. Yeah. I want to make a point really quick. Um Sound Depart Music in the chat said, damn, I don't know why the USA is complaining. You guys can literally do almost whatever you want here in Norway. It's so strict. I agree. I think everyone that's been freaking out in America about what we can and can't do doesn't have a very good concept of what it's actually like in other places, which is part of the reason that I wanted to ask you how it was in the UK, because I know a lot of people from a lot of different places, and depending on where you are, like Canada right now, dude, you can't even leave the city that you live in. I was just talking to a friend from Canada and he said that if you are caught driving in a city and your driver's license doesn't match up to that city, you get fined like $2,000. Same. That was the same here. Yeah. Like, like California, for example, 
we they said that we couldn't travel they said that we couldn't do this and that and people were going to mexico and florida and all these places and like doing basically whatever this whole time so i think our concept of how shut down we've really been is a little a little biased um that being said you know and, and that's and that's coming from someone who hasn't had a job this whole time like we've been the ones most affected you know more than a lot of other industries right like hospitality uh, hospitality is, yeah hospitality in general been here yeah you know and not just you know people think oh just djs or whatever it's not it's all yeah you know, touring all crew promoters uh, agents bar staff yeah club owners security owners security yeah that you, you know you, you know lots and lots of people have been affected affected by it but um you know what what can we do yeah other than just try and stick to the you know just stick to the rules do what they ask and hopefully as quick as possible it will do one yeah well i mean okay. I, I, I had these conversations a million times and honestly, it doesn't even feel worth having them anymore. Cause like you said, we're at the light at the end of the tunnel. Like June is not that far away. If anything, now I'm starting to feel like a sense of panicking that you're not ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Panicking that I'm not ready. And also like, Oh shit. Like I've taken all this time off for granted. Like I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Like, I'm not going to have time to do X, Y, and Z once I'm back on the road full time. Like now I'm like, shit, like I should go like plan a trip to somewhere like before I like get back on the road. Cause like, I mean, I'm sure you're the same. I've barely ever traveled where it's not for work. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's like, when, when else are we going to, and it's, it's such a kind of like double-edged sword. Cause it's like, we're really not supposed to go anywhere and do anything right now. But also it's the only time in our lives where we would be able to have the time to go somewhere and do something. Well, it, it is if you just accept that you just do every show and you don't take any time out and, and things like that. You know, I think that is something that I've heard from quite a few DJs is that like they didn't realize how burnt out they were from touring constantly and this was going to be my next question can like can fight like make it in blocks and have time out to, to write music and to spend time with loved ones and those things not I, that yeah. we have it hard we don't at all like our life is not hard at all not one bit but I, it is and it isn't though like people don't i didn't realize because i used to say the same thing and then being home this long i've realized what being a normal person is like like i've basically had to retrain myself to be a normal person you and now you're normal no no i just mean <laughs> like you know what i mean i'm obviously not a fucking normal person but like you know what i'm saying like yeah. like being used to waking up in normal times and going to bed. I wake up at 7.30 in the morning every day now. I have a cup of coffee. I get to go to the studio, do my thing. I get to hang out with my wife and my dogs. We get to go to the beach every Saturday. We get to hang out with our friends. Like, 
you know, like we get to do things that I've never like when I'm home from tour, it's normally for like five days. And I'm like, yeah. bet I'm going to be in the studio the whole time. Maybe I'll be able to go out to dinner with Joanne or like see my friends for like a couple hours or something, but probably not. And yeah, that, that was going to be my next question is like, I feel like a lot of the people in our industry are slowly starting to realize like exactly what you said. Like we, but here's the thing is like, yeah, if you're a band, you can tour for like X amount of months and then take a year off to write music. It, that's never really been how we work. You know what I mean? Like we basically have to tour year round to, to make it like viable. So how, and, and you know, not that money is everything, but you know, fees are going to be lower than they were pre COVID. Obviously like the promoters are all struggling. The venues are struggling. Like everyone's trying to get their head above water. I'm not saying that they should pay us more. I mean, to be completely honest, our, our fees are probably in, were probably greatly inflated, you know, which I'm not mad at, but, um, it's, it's like, how do you, how, that's what I've been trying to figure out is like, how do you balance, you know, playing only enough shows so that you do have that time that you're talking about, but then also make it, you know, feel like, you know, cause, cause if you, let's say you take half the shows that you normally would in a year, you're going to be making half the income and you're going to feel that shit. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it like sort of like realistically you know if you take out <clears throat> like a you know when i was in a day job working my day job i would have seven weeks off or six weeks off huh a year that must be way. a uk thing they don't do that in america 20 30 days a year they i used to get to be able to book off work right uh like in a row you wouldn't be able to do it in a row really no you, it would be like you know you would book three days here or like five days here and then you'd have the weekend or whatever so right, make right. up to seven days and you know so you could go on like a week's holiday or or whatever whatever you wanted to do yeah um so if you think of it like that you know if you just took four weeks off you could go on four week long holidays or two, two week long holidays, or you could, you know, do whatever, or you could, you know, build the show, like think about it before more, before you, you're actually touring and put tours together in mind of, you know, not just taking any, not any show, but just, you know, oh yeah, yeah. we'll do that show. Oh yeah, we'll do that show. Sure. And I, that, it together. That I, know sound... in, I know in America, like you guys can tour, like, you know, you go on a 49 day tour in 60 days. Um, we don't do that in the UK because it's not big enough. It doesn't work like that. Right. But I mean, um, for you, yeah. you have Europe. You come yeah. to the States every now and then you go to Australia every now and then you go to Asia, it all adds up. And you know, of course the, what you're saying, I've obviously had those thoughts and it's great in theory, but in practice, there's a reason 
if we could do what you're saying, we would. But then the best shows end up you coming. You can do in... anything. Right. You can do anything. <laughs> my point is, Aaron, is that the best shows come at the worst yeah, but times. Yeah, but that's because we don't want to miss those shows because we want to go and do them because they're so good. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what that's what I'm saying. Is is that it? It it's shitty. You know, like there's. I don't. I don't see it. Shitty. Well, obviously it's not shitty. I'm I'm saying that in relative terms, right? Yeah. But like, I'll I'll give you an example, right? It would be nice if they all fell in line and they all worked perfectly. You know, it, 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 so it wasn't all so sporadic. Yeah. As well. As well. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give you a little example of what I'm talking about, right? Uh, my birthday is. It's probably something that doesn't exist in the UK because you guys have stupid fucking bank holidays every other month. Um, but, uh, my birthday is always on either the week or the weekend of what's called Memorial day in America, which is like a three day weekend. It's basically a bank holiday. Right. And that is the weekend of one of the weeks of burning man. So every year it comes around like, Oh dude, it's your birthday. Like, let's go to burning man. You've never done it. Like, it's like a, you know, that's like a bucket list thing to do in your life. And it's on my birthday. Like I should have every excuse to take work off work. Right. Um, and go do that and have fun and enjoy myself. And then like four months, five months before my birthday, all the show offers come in and that's like one of the biggest festival weekends in America. Like I'll end up doing like four or five festivals on that weekend. Labor day. Thank you. Sorry. I said Memorial day. Totally wrong. It's labor day, whatever. Again, bank holiday. doesn't really matter what the name is. Right. Um, so once those show offers come in and they're like always the festivals you want to play, they're, you know, the, the ones that like, I'm like, okay, am I going to like go play these amazing shows and like give myself an awesome payday for my birthday? Or am I going to go spend a bunch of money and go out to Burning Man, lose out on all these show opportunities, not just for the money who honestly, who cares about that? But like the biggest festivals of the year in all of these places for all the fans, like, am I just going to like completely ignore that shit and go fuck off? Like it feels too selfish. You know what I mean? So every year I go through this thing where I'm like, yep, I'm going to Burning Man this year. Fuck all these other festivals. And I'm like, I'll, I'll do the festivals. I'll do all of them. All 16 of them. No one cares about Burning Man anyways. Um, and I, I guarantee you this year, if in September, I mean, or let's call it 2022, right? September, 2022. Um, Burning Man comes around on my birthday. Also, all those festivals. I guarantee you I'll do the festivals, especially because we've been off for a year. You know what I mean? How do you, like, and I'm, again, asking you all of this because I'm genuinely trying to navigate, like, how do I start choosing, you know, myself over, you know, money or fans or whatever it is, right? Because I think, personally, that's what I've learned the most about this year is that being a normal person and taking time to do things as a normal human is not just good for like us, but it's also good for the music. Yeah. Um, I think, 
I just think it's choices. Like it's just what you want to do. Like from for me, like my personal stance and my how I feel is like doing this job and playing the shows and everything is just like that's what I want to do. Like I just want to do that and. Um, yeah, you know, like you get mad tired on some of the runs that we do and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, if you want to take a weekend off one year, I don't think it's the end of the world for anybody. You know, if you want to have that weekend off, you have that weekend off. And if you want to go play them shows, you go play those shows, I think. But I want to do both. I want my cake and I want you to eat it too. Yes, you can't have all that. You can't have all that. I know. That's you why we're having this conversation. <laughs> I'm aware. I can't help you, can't help you man. <laughs> oh, great. Why are you even here? I don't know. I thought you were like my, my Yoda. <laughs> Fucking Mr. Miyagi. Wax on, wax off. You're going to tell me all the secrets of the universe. Yeah. Mr. Miyagi did drink a lot of whiskey in Karate Kid, so I was kind of right. Have you ever watched Karate Kid? Of course I have. Okay. I don't know what you guys... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know who hadn't watched Karate Kid was Joanne. What? I know. We started watching the Netflix man. show, like <laughs> the, the new one, you know, where like all the Karate Kids are grown up. Oh, is it what's it, is it Cobra Kai? Is that yeah. the one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you fuck with the old uh, Karate Kid, you will love that show. It's great. I've heard it's good. It's really good. But we started watching it, and I was all like stoked on it. And Joanne did not care at all. And I was like, "Have you never seen Karate Kid?" And she was like, "No." I was like, "No wonder you don't give a shit about this. You like don't understand anything that's going on here." So I made her watch it. Did so you get I don't. It then? We still haven't watched Cobra Kai again. <laughs> it's a sore I subject. I have to okay? kind of stop myself from watching series and stuff because I just have zero self control. Like if I'm into it, I just keep watching and watching and watching. Oh, I I know the feeling. Well, and I <laughs> and feel then like I get no work done. Yeah. Like I feel like so I kind of avoid it. We. At least for me, I kind of got that from touring. You know what I mean? Because I just download, like, right before a tour, I freak out. And I download, like, a million fucking TV shows and movies. Because I'm like, what if that one plane doesn't have Wi-Fi? Or, like, a screen? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And so I'll just have, like, everything. And then I'll just sit in the hotel room until, like, 5 in the morning watching, like, an entire season or something. And I'll be like, sick. What am I going to watch on the plane now? So I, I am pretty unorganized with that stuff. I generally sit on the plane like. I I can't do that. I can't do that. I would rather spend like a full day preparing for tour than spend 10 minutes on a plane like that. It drives me through the. But you know what? You also tour in the UK. So like, yeah, that's different. The UK doesn't it doesn't count because like I literally drive there and drive back at pretty much every show. I hate that so much. I I you know th that's the real secret. 
that's why you feel the way you do about touring because like 80% of your touring <laughs> is just you driving to work and driving home. <laughs> you don't understand what it's like over here. Like imagine you were flying to, to, to Germany or Poland every show, like every show, not like a couple times a month. Every single show was like at least a three hour flight, you know, or an hour yeah. flight. It doesn't matter if you're flying somewhere for an hour, you're not flying back right after your gig. You know what I mean? It doesn't work like that. So yeah, I wish I could do that. Maybe I'll just, I don't know. I'll only play shows in, in Southern California. Cause that's basically the size of the UK. Okay. The UK is a little bit bigger. Do. <laughs> that makes you feel bad. Yeah. Oh, man, I'll never forget. I think the first time I played Reading and Leeds and uh, Low Steppa and Mr. Jam were on my same stage. And I like, you know, Joanne and I had to Uber in and it was a nightmare and whatever. And we're sitting backstage like all day. We didn't know what was going on. And like right before their sets, they both pull up in their cars and just park. And I was like, you guys live really close to here? And they were like, yeah, we live close to everywhere. It's the UK everyone drives their cars here and i was like oh now i understand why no festival in the uk does car service because why would they bother when all of the fucking djs are just gonna be like nope i'll drive there it's fine pretty much you don't know how pretty good you've much. got it you really don't i'm very appreciative of how i've got it <laughs> Thanks to the UK. Yeah. But speaking of which, that brings me to another point that I wanted to bring up. You're mm -hmm. one of the few guys that, well, I've tried my best to make you an international act. And you're doing a pretty good job of it. You've toured Australia quite a few times now. You've done the States a couple times. Like, do you have, like, now all of this being said, like, are you planning on like the second that shit opens up like you're you're out of here like do you have plans for the states asia like what's the what's the vibe yeah i mean because of the uncertainty like you know agents promoters and things haven't really been putting together tours things like that yeah. um, or whatever but um yeah i mean i've done my first Australia tour was with you in 2018, and then I went on to do Touch Base. Uh, Wait, I just want to—I want to point this out real quick. I just want to say it, just for the record, so that there's somewhere <laughs> cemented in history on the internet that I can pull this up and show it to Simon one day. <laughs> but Simon, the guy that I've worked with in Australia my entire career, entire career. Um, I was coming down to do a tour in Australia and he wanted, you know, he had a couple ideas for support acts and I was like, no, we're putting on Holy Goof. And he was like, who? And I was like, trust me, Simon, put Aaron on the bill. You're not going to be mad. I get to Australia after convincing Simon to put Aaron on all the bills. I get to dinner with Simon and the first thing he says 
mate, I can't believe the reaction to Holy Goof. All the cities are going crazy about Holy Goof. I was like, cool, is this the Holy Goof tour now featuring Jaws? Like, <laughs> I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> and now Goof goes down to Australia all the time. Simon just dumped me, and now he has Holy Goof as his little golden goof. Golden Goose Goof. Should have made I should have made Simon sign a deal where I get 10% of all of your commissions. Fuck, dude. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just wanted to put that in stone. I fought for Aaron, and then I was right. But the the funny yeah. thing is, you would have ended up there sooner than later because, like, the kids were obviously ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'd had messages from Australia very, very early on, like 2015, and it wasn't until 2018 by the time I got there. And it was fucking, it was wild, wasn't it? It was proper wild. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was crazy. It was. It, it reminded crazy. me of when I first started touring in Australia because I had like the same thing. And I guess it makes sense because our sounds are kind of similar, or at least my old sound or whatever, and what you were doing at the beginning yeah. were pretty similar. But yeah. there was a point in time where I feel like I was more popping in Australia than America. Like I went down for touch or not touch base, um, Stereosonic for my first Australia tour, and it was like that was like shit I had never seen before when I was playing shows. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? People actually, they're here for me? This yeah, makes no uh, sense. Yeah. And I'm, I, yeah. I, I like, it was really cool for me to watch that kind of happen to you. Cause I feel like I remember being like, yo, like these shows are about to be crazy for you. And you were like, nah, 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 I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, no, like I do know, like I've been told this shit is going to pop the fuck off. And then I remember you coming off stage from the first show. You're like, oh, that was fucking wild. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. It really, really was. I, I, can, I remember it like it was yesterday, to be honest. It was, it was a sick tour. But yeah, so yeah, I've d d done that and um, have some great supporters in Germany, um, Czech Republic also. Um, age is always great. Um, Ooh, Australia, quick America. question from the chat. King Midas asks a question for Goof. He said, did you go to or can you recommend any music schools in the UK? Unfortunately, I didn't go to a music school. I've never we had can a tell. musical. We can tell. <laughs> Ignore this, dickhead. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, ne I've never had a musical lesson. Um, I'm trying to think. I know there's one in Bristol. I don't know how good it is. I haven't been, so I can't like be like, yeah, I've been. I know these are amazing and and stuff. So um, there's Point Blank as well, isn't there? I know there's that that that's in the UK as well. But yeah, I don't know. Like me, I just learned about with friends. Um, Learning with friends is also free. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know people that are on the same you know they're into the same music as you and they're at a similar level maybe a bit you know a bit more advanced in production than you or whatever and you can kind of learn off each other and 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 bounce and build that journey together. That is the journey is the is the most fun part, right? Yeah. But okay, so 
I feel like I remember Scott Skepsis saying that he went to university in the UK for making music. No, he didn't. He, no? he did a different. He did no. He did like history, something really. With that big ass um, head, he has all that history information <laughs> in there. <laughs> he did history and and I think like English. I think. He didn't do music, um, but he he's always, yeah, he's been in and around, like, he used to, break, like, go into, like, the music room and stuff. Oh, maybe that was it. Things like that, yeah. Um, I, I will say, Midas, um, before I ended up at Icon, the music school that I went to in L.A., um, before Icon was even really a thing there were schools in the UK way before us. Uh, like there's a point blank. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one. I can't remember what it's called. I think Zomboy went there. Um, but the, the point is, you know, um, you don't necessarily need to go to music school to become a musician. When people ask me if I recommend going to icon, I always say yes, because I think it helped me a ton. But obviously, considering that I'm sitting here next to you and so many of the people that I'm friends with and so many of the people that I have on the podcast or I tour with or whatever, none of them went to music school. They all made it. You know what I mean? Um, and like, There's no one set route. Especially in music. It's, you know, whatever works for you. You know, some people learn great just watching YouTube tutorials. I found it hard because I, I didn't have the attention span. So I found it better yeah. like working alongside friends and just doing it again. How do you do this? Or oh, what do you reckon to that? And, 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 and that sort of way would yeah. suited me best. Well, and I also feel like it's just kind of like an effort thing. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll, well, I tell definitely people get out what you put in. Yeah. And I, I tell people that, you know, one of the biggest investments or things that you get out of going to a school like icon is that you're basically allotting yourself X amount of months to just focus on learning how to make music. It's not even so much the actual curriculum. It's not, you know, that that you're going to be learning more stuff. It's like, I think one of the most valuable things is that you're like, okay, for for me, it was like these nine months, I'm not doing anything besides making music, learning everything I can, working with all the people I can just being collaborative, um, you know, so on and so forth. And that's a lot of people's problems is that, you know, they want to do music as a career, but then they don't make the necessary cuts to their life. Like during those nine months, like I could have gone out and partied, I could have done all this shit. And I literally did nothing besides like work on music, you know? And technically you could do that without going to any sort of university or anything. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I was wondering how long we were gonna sit here staring at each other. It it froze. Oh, it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, man. I mean, I know I talk a lot, but I I, I thought Goof would have a little bit to say there. Just, yeah, no, it, uh, it's it's yeah, it's just whatever suits you the most, and how much you're willing to put in. You know, I I didn't. Fuck off! <laughs> I didn't. I didn't 
um I didn't do a lot of things I didn't like go on holiday I didn't do things like that I just literally was just music DJ and music DJ and you know things didn't happen for a long long time yep um, it's a lot of sacrifice everything a lot of sacrifice and a lot of a lot of faith in yourself I think and you've got to do what you believe in like don't make a, a sound because that's the in sound or whatever like just do what you love and because if you're trying to make music that you're not really into and you're trying to guess what people like you you just that's not what it's about like you gotta make what you enjoy and if it's not the sound that's popping right now it's not the sound that's popping right now but in three years one year six months it might be the sound that everybody wants to hear you just gotta stick to your guns and work hard at it yeah i think a great example of that in the states at least is res like res four years ago five years ago if she had like or you know even before that or whatever if she had came out with the music that she's coming out with now might have been like eh that's cool but she like stuck to her guns and she always made the sound that she made and then eventually it was just the right time for that kind of music and it just exploded and she never tried to sound like anyone else. She never tried to, you know, change what she was doing to make it work. Like she literally just like completely devoted herself to making exactly the music that she made. And you, you see, you know, a lot of people I'm sure have a lot of different ideas of why Rez is so popular um, in the States and beyond. But to me, that's the number one thing is that she was exactly what Goof said, just so uniquely herself that, you know, it was just a matter of time before people caught on to it. And it was good. You know, you could be uniquely yourself and it's just also really shit. And, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not also it. not going to cut it. <laughs> um, someone said, ask Goof if the, if the drum and bass scene is bigger in the UK or in uh, New Zealand? Um, how do you determine how big the scene is? I mean, they're really? both they're both countries that are the size of New York City. So, like, I don't I know. Think the population in New Zealand is like five mil, and the UK is like seventy-seven mil. So there's a lot, lot more people to be into it. Um, but you know. The UK loves drum and bass, and so does New Zealand. Like New Zealand loves drum and bass. I, I mean, I and, think I think you made a good point though, which is that New Zealand is so small that, like, in, yeah, in terms of population, yeah. yeah it's, so it's like a niche genre can be as big as pop music there. It's kind of the same with us. Huge, yeah. In 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 like there, like drum and bass, yeah, it's 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 huge. It's a massive, massive sound. Um, and yet I only have nothing but good experiences of New Zealand, Australia. Every time I go there, like they show me so much love. And uh, <clears throat> I could, you know, people always say, oh, you know, where, where's the best place you played? Well, like, they're all incredible for different reasons. You know, same with like venues, like what's the best venue? Well, there's so many for so many different reasons. And it sounds like you're proper sitting on the fence, but it is true isn't it and you have memories of certain things as well i i i'm never able to answer those questions i mean i always yeah, say i'll always say like san francisco because it's where i'm from 
and it's also like the biggest venue I've ever headlined on my own. Bill Graham. Yeah, Bill Graham. But you know, or I'll say Red Rocks because it's just so gorgeous and whatever. I know, I know you still haven't been there. I know you're upset. About <laughs> it. Maybe, maybe this is the year, or maybe 2022. You beat me to, you beat me to it. I'm always gonna say it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, though, Prodigy asked what your favorite state to tour was. Oh, he said in Australia. I thought he was gonna say America. I thought he said America. Um, favorite state? I bet. I bet Aaron doesn't even know the states in Australia. My geography is not too hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But Brisbane was the first place that I ever played, and they've always treated me like their own. Perth has like just been building, and I've just played there, and it was incredible. Sydney, we did the Ivy Courthouse when I was first there, and that was insane. God, that um, place is so much fun. Like, yeah. I just, yeah, like I say, everywhere I go shows me so much love and the crowds go crazy. Like, I'm, I can't ask for more. I, I literally can't ask for more. And I wouldn't go, oh, this place is better than that place. Like, you know, it, it's, uh, you're, all, you're all incredible. Uh, I'm trying to hide this message, Taco. I'm going to ask that question in a little bit, Taco. Don't worry about it. Um, what question is that? Don't worry about it. <laughs> so what about the States, though? Because you basically got to see, like, from never going to America, you basically saw almost the entirety of America. Like, a lot. Yeah. Like, what were, like, standout moments? Obviously, Pinkerton's in Houston. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like other really like we went uh we had an incident on the bus in Miami oh <laughs> <laughs> so after Jaws fell over in London oh yeah I this my my falling over story is nothing compared to you on the bus in Miami because you had to get surgery for that. You <laughs> so literally had to get surgery like recently. So basically I drank an entire bottle of this as, as I have done many a time. And then we was on the bus leaving Miami probably like 6 a.m. Jaws, Skepsis, couple of others, Anthony and Sheck, I think. We're playing NBA, and I decided it would be a good idea to do a handstand. You no, you're not even. You're not even. You're not even. You're not even setting it up good enough. <laughs> so yeah, it's like five. So on a tour bus, generally, you stay up until like five six in the morning because that's when the bus starts leaving, and then you go to sleep. You wake up at like three o'clock, and you wake up in the next city, and everything is great. So yeah, and especially on a in a place like Miami, the clubs go super late. Whatever, everyone had a great time. Aaron had a great set. He's drinking. Me and a bunch of the boys are playing NBA 2K20 or 19 at that point, I guess, or 18. Shit. Um, and I think maybe 19 had just came out. Maybe they usually come out before, don't they? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So it was probably 2K19. Whatever. 
So we're all just, but we're all just chilling, you know, listening to music, playing fucking NBA, having a good time. Aaron is sitting there five o'clock in the morning, sunglasses on, Fendi hoodie on or Fendi beanie on listening, (laughs) playing like, I can't believe you remember that. Oh yeah. Uh, playing, playing, uh, like nineties hip hop, like Biggie and Pac and all this shit. And just like rapping every single line, going nuts, dancing on the chairs, whatever. And like, I'm like kind of paying attention because I'm like, you know, playing video games. And you've probably had about 20 days of this at this point. Yeah. So I wasn't, it was not something I was like unfamiliar with. Um, And then all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye and the side of my ear, I see Aaron stand up. And he stares, I want to say it was at Matt, our tour manager, <laughs> dead in the eyes and goes, I bet you've never seen anyone do this. <laughs> I can't even get it out. <laughs> he said, I bet you've never seen anyone do this on a tour bus. And the second he said that, all of us were like, what? And before we could do anything... Aaron had, so like, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this so that someone who's listening versus watching will be able to understand. But like, if you've ever been on, you know, like a a bus, really, like you understand the distance that I'm talking about because it's the distance of the hallway in between the two rows of seats. That's the distance on a tour bus between like the little kitchenette and like the table where everyone kind of sits around. It's like, you know, it's just a little bit wider than a, than than like you basically. Yeah, like. exactly. So, Aaron puts his hand on the kitchenette, he puts his hand on the table <laughs> and flings his feet from the floor up to the roof of the bus with his head pointed straight at the floor. And I was like, "Okay, he's just going to do this for a second and then he's going to like flip back around and it's going to be like, you know, whatever." Aaron really for like a good seven seconds was like extending his feet all the way to the top of the tour bus. I don't know if he thought he was going to like, if, if you put your feet on the like roof, it would like help you like prop yourself up better, but I'm pretty sure. I did think that. I did think that. And I'm pretty sure. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, I do know why. Right. But I'm pretty sure what happened is the second that your feet touched the roof, it pushed you down because you know gravity and <laughs> Aaron basically looked like he was landing in war zone but like instead of his <laughs> instead of his parachute dropping he just he I, yeah head first I didn't put my parachute out yeah that was the problem yeah <clears throat> head first into the into the floor We were all, like, everyone immediately stood up, threw controllers everywhere, turned off the music. We thought Aaron had straight up broke his neck. Like, completely, like, he was like this on the floor. (laughs) Like, like one of those horrible, like, MTV videos where you see someone, like, stack and, like, their neck, they do, like, the whole, like, scorpion or cobra, whatever you call it. It was exactly like that. Yeah, it went straight to the gulag, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god, dude. Don't forget that I cracked the tiles. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that crack was already there, okay? I don't need no tour bus company watching this podcast back and being like, oh, it was them. He's covering his back. Yeah. We're pretty sure it was already there. But yeah, so yeah, that, after that. So what? So I thought I I thought I'd snapped my col like my shoulder and my collarbone like I instantly sobered up <clears throat> instantly. Yeah, we well actually you didn't instantly sober up. You were no. dead silent for like five seconds, and we all <laughs> thought you had died. You did actually think I was dead. To be fair. Yeah, you were lifeless on the floor. <laughs> It fucking hurt. Yeah, but like at least give us like a I'm all right. I and wasn't. Then he, and then he just like kind of sits up, doesn't really say anything, just like eyes half closed, like really frowny, like grumpy face. And he's like, well, that hurt. <laughs> and I went straight to bed. I, know, I just hoped in the morning that I'd wake up and it wouldn't hurt. It, it hurt. Yeah. The and then we went to Universal Theme Park. He rode a bunch of roller coasters and then tried wakeboarding with 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 what ended up being a what? Torn shoulder, broken shoulder? What did you end up having that you didn't figure out for like two years? Um I I yeah, I tore tendons and um I did something to my rotator cuff and I had to have like bone shaved off and I had to have keyhole surgery basically. Like yeah. two years later. I just kind of hoped it would go away. It he literally like had like basically a broken shoulder for two years and just kept shrugging it off. So that's your souvenir from America. You're welcome. Yeah. I don't even want to say you're welcome because you did that to yourself. No one told you it was a good nobody idea. In, nobody, encouraged, I, I, nobody encouraged me. Oh, man. That was... I was the handstand champion until that moment. And at that moment, I lost the belt. I lost, oh, I lost the BMF belt. Oh, man. That is, that is still to this day probably my favorite story of touring of all time. Of all time. It literally, like, there's you can't make shit like that up. I'm really happy that you're still, like, here and all in one piece. Because I would have felt Same. real guilty shipping you back to the UK as damaged goods. <laughs> well, you kind of did, but... Well, we didn't know that. You said, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Well, I did go wakeboarding. I know. That's probably what did it. It didn't help. It definitely didn't help. It didn't help, no. Oh no, but that, that tour was incredible. That tour was incredible. So it was that. Then there was Pinkertons in Houston. Um, we spent a week in LA. Um, yeah, that I was, I don't even know what you did in LA. That was at the end of the tour and I was just so done with tour. I literally sat at my house in LA and didn't see anyone from the tour for like five days. And I was like, this is awesome. Well, basically the three shows leading up to that, I got so drunk. And then at the two, the first two LA shows, cause you got me the 80 proof Southern comfort. Did I do that? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I feel that. like that and might have been I... Joanne's fault. And then I spent two days in bed. 
Because <laughs> I was just so hungover and sad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and my, my manager, Sam, came over to LA. So me and him shared an Airbnb and we did some stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then... There was a oh, whist, Whistler in Canada was so much fun. Yeah, see, you say that, but I actually went and did Whistler properly on this tour, and oh my god. I mean, yes, the show we did in Whistler was fucking crazy. Yeah. It was, it was so wild. much fun, but we had literally been like praying that we were going to be able to snowboard for that entire tour. And then we weren't able to. And that was like the worst thing of my entire life. And then on this tour, we got to snowboard for four days straight. And we fucking missed out on that first tour. Because like, yeah, Whistler at night for that party was kind of cool. But like Whistler for five days in the snow was so sick. So we'll just have to do it again. Do you even snowboard? Do you even know how to snowboard? I don't know if I trust I can, you on a snowboard. I, I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Handstands on tour buses, you name it, mate. I can do the lot. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you say. <laughs> All right. It's probably like three in the morning for you. So I want to wrap up the show because you've I've, 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 I've kept you far long enough. Um, I want to do... Two little quick like game show things that we do at, at the end of the show with every guest. Yeah. The first one is very focused on you. The second one is much more general. They're both really, really quick. Then you'll be straight to bed, I promise. So the first game is called Quick Bites. I'm going to put... Uh, I do it differently for every person, but for you, I took <laughs> a bunch of your different best friends from the UK... And I pitted them all together, and you have to choose which one you'd rather keep in your life. <laughs> so, Fucking hell, a bit ruthless. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, and with quick bites, you're not allowed to think about it. It's just like you have to immediately answer. There's no second guessing. Okay. You're allowed to explain yourself afterwards, but like you get a maximum of like two and a half seconds to make a decision. Cool. And then the 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 second game is called Fight or Bite. I ask the same questions to everyone who's ever been on the podcast to see how it all stacks up. Okay, cool. So let's get into it. Yeah. So again, quick bites. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say two names and you just have to pick one. Don't think mm -hmm. about it. Just do it. All right. Mm -hmm. You ready? Yeah. I think I started off easy and then it progressively gets more difficult, <laughs> but okay. I'm honestly not completely sure. Okay. Cause these are all, you know, UK people, and I only know so many of them. So I've tried my... I mean, I know all of them, but I don't exactly know how close you are. Like, there's a couple that I'm like, yeah, like, he's really close with that guy, he's really close with that guy, but the other ones, I'm not entirely so sure. There's one name in specific that I almost put on here, but I left it off, because I thought <laughs> it would be for the best. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. All right. No more. Quick Bites number one, are you ready? Yeah. Dark sea or distinct? It's been three seconds. It's probably <laughs> <laughs> distinct. Oh, 
Oh, Darkseid's such a sweet boy. Why you gotta do him so dirty like that? I knew you were gonna choose Distinct. You always talk about, oh, that's my dude. He makes house music. He's like one of my best friends. Blah, 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 blah. No, re I don't have a reason. You don't have a reason? That's even worse. So Desert Island, you can only take one of them. You just killed poor little Darkseid. He's just the Is sweetest it, little boy. Darkseid will end me with drink. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to take distinct because he's he's on a health thing. That's why. That's okay. why I keep distinct. Okay. Fair enough. You heard it here first, Darkseid. Don't Holy goof. Stop. Stop. La, he fucking la, hates la, you. La, la. <laughs> fucking hates you. I don't I'm gonna send this to him tonight. You dare. <laughs> Alright. Quick bites number two. You ready? Mm-hmm. TS7 or Solomon? Oh, one, Solomon. two. Oh, that was quick. I thought this one was tough because I know how long you've known it Solomon. Is it and is tough. Like I, I can't really pick, but I have to. And the only reason I picked Solomon is because I'm, I've been friends with Solomon since like 2009. And yeah, that was it. That was, Speaking that was of ridiculous reason. tour stories, I don't even want to get into it right <laughs> now. But I had, I spent a night in Sheffield, the north of the UK. <laughs> with Aaron and Solomon. By the way, if you don't know who Solomon is, he's one third of Gentleman's Club. Uh, he's the, he is, yeah. he's the, the tiny skinny. Well, I guess there's two tiny skinny white guys in Gentleman's Club. He's the one with no hair on his head. And he is a fucking madman. Absolute savage. Oh my God. I don't even want to I'm talk about sure. it. I'm pretty sure. I took him for his first ever night out. Ever? I think so. Wow. Did he grow up in Coventry? No, he lives like um, about 90 minutes from here, but I used to do some things called... Like, I, do you remember Ustream? Yeah, yeah. We used to do some like sets on Ustream, me, him, Pogman, um, Antiques, Bodex, like a few of us. And, yeah, he, and then one night we did it, and then we went to the Dubstep Awards in Birmingham. Wow, dubstep awards. Mm -hmm. I wish that was still a thing. And he had to have a lie down and go to sleep at the rave. <laughs> that sounds about right. All right, quick bites number three. You ready? Yeah. Chris Lake or Chris Lorenzo? Chris Lorenzo. I knew you were going to say that. That's my boy, man. I know. I love Lakey too. Proper sound guy. Nothing but love and respect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chris Le Chris after, after Lake is. sees this, we'll see how proper and sound of a guy he is. <laughs> I think it's funny that they both... I always end up putting them together. Like, just when I'm talking or like a question like this or something. They make music together. They make very similar styles of music, even though they're also very different. And both of their names are Chris, and their last names both start with L. And they're both the same fucking sarcastic English twat. And tall as fuck as well. And tall as fuck. Just for the record, I love both of you, but unfortunately, Aaron only loves Chris Lorenzo. <laughs> fuck Chris Lake. All my homies hate Chris Lake. They, they hate you on Twitter anyway. They do. That's the worst <laughs> part, is I love both of them so much, and they both fucking tag tag team and just beat the shit out of me on Twitter. And people actually think that they're serious. 
and like i understand uk sarcasm and like dry humor but like i'll see some people like go to chris lake and be like yo why are you being so mean and i'm like that that's just how they talk have you never heard them like I, I'm pretty sure every conversation I've ever had with Chris Lake sounded exactly like that, but it does sound, it does look worse over text or maybe I just think it's like that. And they really just actually hate me. I don't know. Now you're concerning me. Your silence is concerning Aaron. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quick bites number four. Yeah. Notion or skepsis? Notion. Uh, it's like I made the easier ones at the end and the harder ones at the beginning. I I I knew that was an easy an easy answer, but also for the fans, are like, oh, notion or skepsis? What's he gonna pick? How's he gonna choose? But yes, I know you don't even have to explain. Notion is like your BFF. You cuddle together in bed every night. He, he you make music together every other day. He's like your little, <laughs> your little <clears throat> mini me. We've been friends since 2013, and uh, yeah, we've been on this whole journey together. He's one of my best friends. Yeah, one of the most. Well, I I. I would like to say underrated producers, but he did have that massive record in 2019 where he's got a few now. He's got, he's got real, uh, he's got hooked, which is on something like something ridiculous amount of streams. Like that's awesome. 20, 20 million or something like that. That's amazing. Yeah. He deserves um, it all. He's one of the he does. best. He's, he's the guy he's, he's honestly, Producer, he's incredible, absolutely incredible. I was playing, and always has been. I've, I was playing Notion records all the way back in like 2014. Like some yeah, of my first Jaws would, mixes ever had Notion records in them. It would have been Breathe. Yeah, probably. The, the Blue Control and Sean Paul. I think it was that one. So good. Absolutely. All right. This last Quick Bites question is not two people. But it is arguably the hardest one. <laughs> Are you ready? Yep. Would you rather have one million pounds, like dollars, but pounds mm -hmm. because you're British, like a fucking twat? Would you rather have one million pounds, but never, <laughs> ever, ever in your life ever be able to eat dishum again? But you also, <laughs> but you also do know how good it is. Or would you rather be able to eat the shoom every day for the rest of your life, not have a million dollars? Can I cook the shoom at home? No. <laughs> oh, that's still take a million dollars pounds. <laughs> wow. All about the money be. for this guy, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if you ask me that question, I don't know what I would say. I would probably, I would probably. Because you're richer than me. <laughs> oh my God. Money comes and goes, but you know what doesn't? Really fucking good food. Correct. I, I could work my ass off to make that million dollars that you don't give me, but I could never, ever do anything to replicate the feeling of eating dishoom, eating chicken <laughs> ruby, 
I don't know. Um, right, so is it what is it now? Fight or bite or fight? Or yeah, fight or bite. So I'm going to give you a person, a place, or a thing. And you're going to tell me, like, fight would be like you don't like it. Bite would be that you do like it. Okay. Okay. And again, none of these are personally directed at you. So you might not really care about it. You might care about it a lot. These are just the ones that I ask every single person on the podcast. So then eventually a couple of years from now, I can go through and kind of tally up what the answers have been. Mm-hmm. It's like a little time machine. Yeah. Or a time capsule, whatever. Um, okay. Go. Fighter bite number one. <clears throat> Diplo. Yeah. Bite. Yeah, you would take a nice little tasty bite out of Diplo, <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh um any reason you like him as a person producer he's had an incredible career made incredible records and had a massive label it's uh inspirational all those things that he's achieved in his career you don't have to be that nice you know i'm nice yeah only when you want to be fuck off See, there it is. Yeah, but you're a dickhead. I am. I am. I won't deny that. I I haven't haven't met him properly. All right. Next one. Yeah. In-N-Out Burger. Bite, but overrated. All right, guys. Thanks for coming by for the podcast. (laughs) No, it's good. It is good, but... The the animal fries are the best bit. I I I won't I won't deny that necessarily. But I don't know. I said this the other day on the stream. You could But I love chick I love Chick fil A, don't I? Yeah, you sure fucking do. Oh my god, I forgot about how many times this guy got Chick fil A on our goddamn tour. Oh my god. <laughs> it was like every day. Any, 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 any place that had it, I, I had it. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Sundays were like your least favorite day because there was no Chick-fil-A. Absolutely. Um, anyways, my point was if you, if you gave me the option to either have like a $20, like gourmet restaurant burger every single day for the rest of my life or an In-N-Out burger every day for the rest of my life, I would still choose In-N-Out burger. Yeah, I'm not saying this. Like, I'm saying good. you're wrong. It is okay. the best. Okay. One hundred percent. You are the worst. Okay. You are okay. wrong. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, Josh. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Very good. Fighter bite number three. Calvin yeah. Harris. Fight. Yeah. Fucking legend. Absolutely. One of the most, like, fucking. The record is just ridiculous. I agree. <clears throat> I completely 100% agree. There's nothing that even needs to be said. I talk about it's how much I love Calvin like, Harris. Like, I, yeah. I talk about how much I love Calvin Harris on this podcast pretty much every episode. So I'll 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 leave it at that for this one. Uh okay. Next one. Normally the last one, but actually as of last episode. Just for this season, we've added a new one. So normally at the end, and I don't even know if, because I wasn't with you, 
during this period of you being in California. So I don't know if you ever experienced it, but Hollywood Boulevard, like actual help okay. the, the strip. Fight. Huh? Fight. You must be a tourist. <laughs> I went once. It was cool. Okay. Yeah. So, and Adam took me also took me to a restaurant as well. I don't know if it was Hollywood Boulevard, but it was in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, Hollywood's a big place, but yeah. the actual strip, I don't know. I've even heard tourists who go to the, the Hollywood strip and they're like, super gross. There's not really anything to do. Is, is it the place where all like the stars are on the floor? And yeah, stuff? yeah. 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 It's cool, man. I got, right. two, I got, I got, I got two glasses from there where like Hollywood and, Shit on, so. God, you're such a fucking tourist. Tourist, mate. You gotta, you gotta appreciate these things when you travel. Yeah. It's like, I guess that's like if I went to like uh, Oxford Circus. I was like, oh, I love Oxford Circus. It's like, it's so cool. And I went and I got a little thing that's like a little telephone booth. You know what I mean? Kind of. Because Oxford Circus is not cool. It's got Night Town and Selfridges. They're all right. Oh, of course. Fair. Okay. All right. Moving on. I'll I'll allow yep. you to say that you like Hollywood Boulevard, but I promise you, the next time you go, the uh, the allure will have worn off. <laughs> Final question, and then you can get the fuck out of here and go to sleep. Pineapple on pizza. Fuck off. <laughs> What's the thing? Fight. Fuck that. Have you always hated pineapple on pizza? Yes. Disgusting. Does not belong on pizza. Well, I guess this is a bad question to ask you because you like also don't eat vegetables. I kind of do now. A bit. Like what? Potatoes? <clears throat> um, parsnips. Um, butternut squash. Oh, there's one more as well. What's the other thing that I have? Pineapple is obviously not a vegetable, chat. I know that, but I'm just saying. Aaron is one of those very, very picky... I love fruit. Okay. I love fruit. You love fruit and you still won't put yeah. pineapple on a pizza. No, but I'll eat pineapple on its own. I don't like pineapple juice. You just don't put it on a pizza. Anything worse than pineapple on a pizza is tuna. Okay, I've never done tuna on pizza. Yeah, sounds kind of concerning. I haven't either. I haven't either. I'm not a fucking murderer. Sorry, <laughs> so I wouldn't do that. Okay, uh, maybe it's where you grew <laughs> up because pineapple on pizza was a huge thing in America. It was it's, huge. It's big here, but it's big here, but I'm 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 not backing it. Okay, the reason that I added this question is a because Taco from the chat suggested it but also i feel very strongly that at least in america and probably over in the uk also everyone genuinely liked pineapple on pizza until one idiot went on twitter and was like if you like it was probably you aaron it was probably you you went on twitter <laughs> one day and you were like oh if you like pineapple on your pizza there's something wrong with you and then everyone just like took the fucking meme and like ran with it and now like people have like conditioned themselves to not like pineapple on pizza because they think that they're going to get ostracized from society. Cause like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't I, it was yeah. just like, I was living my life, literally living my life 
one day, all of a sudden, pineapple on pizza, it's as if it's like, it's, it's like the Berenstein bear effect. You know what that is? Where like things, things that you definitely know happened have never actually happened or something that you know is spelled a certain way is actually spelled a different way. And like, you know that that's not true, but that's how it really is. That's like the pine or mandala effect. Thank you. Or Mandela effect. That's what I meant. Fucking don't um, even know it goes. Well, it's either <laughs> the Berenstein bear effect or the Mandela effect. Either way, um, that's like me with pineapple pizza. Is like all of a sudden one day, just everyone decided they hate it. Even though my entire life, I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different people eat pineapple on pizza and genuinely enjoy it. So what's your go-to pizza? What is your go-to? What What is your pizza order? Uh, when I was a kid, it wasn't pineapple on pizza, although I did like it. Um, when I was a kid, it was sausage, onion, garlic. That's it. Now, I'm like a fucking snob, and I just want a real Italian margarita pizza with just like, you know, really good San Marzano tomato sauce, some like real mozzarella, that's like, you know, you you know where it's just like kind of like islands of cheese instead of like mm -hmm. completely covered and mm -hmm. then just like giant ass like basil leaves on top. That's it. I'm good. That's all I want. Snob. Yeah, I know. It is what it is. <laughs> oh, look at me. <laughs> and with that... <laughs> <laughs> On that wonderful note, I guess I'll send you off to fucking bed. Thank you for staying up so late. Thank no you for problem. having a sweet little chat with us. Is there anything else that anyone in the chat wants to ask Aaron before he leaves? Because this is your absolute last shot. Tick, 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 tick. Five, four, three, two one looks like it's sleep time taco said take one last shot <laughs> no problem no fucking problem oh yeah what is on your shirt is that hp like hp sauce what do you think hp stands for brother something that i can't even say on the stream <laughs> heron preston oh Oh, I should have known that. You should have known that, really. You should have known that. Because I even saw the Heron Preston tag on it. <sighs> I'm an idiot. We all know that. Okay, final question. Multi asked, how do you feel about wakeboarding after that whole experience? I I loved it. It took me so many goes to get up onto the like. And now knowing how fucked up your shoulder was, I can't believe you even kept going. You are yeah. What you once, are a silly man. Once once I got up the first time onto the board, then I did it every time. Then and I had a few goes, and I, I really enjoyed it. I'd like to go back. Shout out to Noah Flegel. Noah the legend. Do you follow him on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. His shit is sick. He's a, yeah, he's sick, man. He's a good guy as well. They looked after us. Yeah, they were really awesome. Shout out, Noah. All right, go to bed.
It's been nice. I'm out. Chat. I'll I'll hang out with you for a little bit longer. Uh, but for those of you that are watching the podcast, this is it. We'll be back next week with another very special guest. Anything you want to say before you go, Goof? You want to drop yeah, some social I just tags? No, no, no. I just want to say thank you to everybody that listened in, everybody that sent questions and stuck with us all this time. If you want to find me, Holy Goof UK, of some sort of variety on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So you did want to drop social tags? If they, if they want, if if people would like to. Oh, you're so nice. You're so nice. Little do they know. Don't worry, I'll (laughs) fill them all in once you're on. All right, go to bed. Go to bed. (laughs) See you later, guys. Late.